We now come to questions to the Prime Minister, and we're going to start those questions with Andy Slaughter. Question number one, Mr. Mr. Speaker. While Sunday's result may not have been the one we were all hoping for, I know that the whole House will want to congratulate Gareth Southgate and the England squad for their fantastic achievements over the last month. The nation is proud of each and every one of them. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. And this lot. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Can I second the Prime Minister's support for our outstanding England team and players, but perhaps say that it's a pity it didn't come sooner from him and we, we all know the importance of double vaccination, especially against the Delta or Johnson variant of the virus. But in, but in Hammersmith and Fulham, despite the hard work of our local NHS council and volunteers, only 36% of adults have been double jabbed. So will the Prime Minister think again before recklessly removing all barriers to infection and transmission on the 19th of January? Will he keep the regulations on mask wearing and, like the Mayor of London, keep fighting the virus until it's beat? Well, Mr Speaker, if we had followed the, right, the Honourable Gentleman's uh, precepts, uh, who, and I remember, of course, he campaigned vehemently to stay in the European Union, we would not have achieved the fastest vaccine rollout of any European country and have vaccinated the highest proportion of any, uh, of any European population, uh, Mr Speaker. That is the, that is the reality. And as for, as for his criticism of the, of the roadmap, Mr Speaker, I respectfully point out to the uh, Honourable Gentleman the month is July, not January, Mr Speaker. We now come to Father of the House, Sir Peter Bottomley. Yeah. Mr Speaker, it should be obvious that the Cabinet is as inclusive as the English football team and some of these criticisms, I think, are misplaced. Yeah. Can I welcome, Mr Speaker, your words at the beginning of Tuesday's debate and the Prime Minister's first paragraph on the Treasury Minute from Monday. Can we agree that a vote in this House does not amend an Act of Parliament passed by both Houses? Are we expecting a similar debate in another place? And can I suggest to the Prime Minister that instead of leaping from 0.5 to 0.7 at some stage in the future, we step towards it because a 40% increase in one year is ludicrous and perhaps the chance of going to 5.5, 6, 6.5 and then 7. Thank you. I, I thank the right honourable gentleman, my honourable friend, uh, very much for uh, the, the, his opening point. And uh, just on, uh, what, uh, on, the, on odour, of course, uh, he, I can give him this reassurance, we will continue uh, to follow the law and he will have heard clearly uh, what uh, both my right honourable and the Chancellor had to say from this dispatch box and what I said as well. We want to return uh, to point seven as fast as we can uh, when fiscal conditions allow. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I start by thanking the England football team for everything they've given this country over the last six weeks? I'm so proud of this young, diverse and humble team and everything that it represents. Mr Speaker, they're the very best of modern Britain, everything that I know this country can be. Does the Prime Minister think that it was wrong 
to criticise the England team's decision to oppose racism by taking the knee as gesture politics. I I agree very much with uh, what the Right Honourable Gentleman said about the England team. And I repeat, I want to thank each and every one of them uh, for what they did, uh, their incredible campaign they ran in the the Euro 2020 uh, Championships. And, And they do represent the very best of our country. And uh, I repeat that I utterly condemn and abhor the uh, racist outpourings that we saw on Sunday night. And so what we're doing is today taking practical steps to ensure that the football banning order regime is changed so that if you are guilty, Mr Speaker, of racist abuse on line of footballers, then you will not be going to the match. No ifs, no buts, no exemptions and no excuses. Mr Speaker, I'm sorry, that just won't wash, and it rings hollow. On the 7th... Remind the Prime Minister in the House. On the 7th of June, the Prime Minister's spokesperson said this. On taking the knee, specifically, the Prime Minister is more focused on actions rather than gestures. On the 14th of June, on the 14th of June, the Home Secretary said, the Home Secretary said, I just don't support people participating in that type of gesture politics. The Conservative MP for Bassett Law called it a ridiculous empty gesture. So there's no point of pretending that these things weren't said. The England footballer, Tyrone Mings, said that Labour Party member I hear shouted out. Is that really the response? Is that it? Tyrone Mings. Tyrone Mings said, and the House might want to listen. He said this, labelling anti-racism messages as gesture politics served to stoke the fire of racism and hatred. Prime Minister, they're powerful words from someone who has himself been subjected to racist abuse. He's right, isn't he? Mr Speaker, I I want to reiterate my support, our support, our total support uh, for our fantastic England team and I, I support them in the way that they, uh, they show solidarity with their friends who, who face racism, Mr Speaker. But when he talks about uh, the Home Secretary, and let me just remind him that uh, my right honourable friend, the Home Secretary, has faced racism and prejudice all, all her career of a kind that he could never imagine, and she has taken practical steps to get black and minority officers into the police in record numbers. In fact, Prime Minister, I am... Prime Sorry to interrupt you. I want to hear the Prime Minister. If his own side don't want to hear him, I'm sure the tea room will accommodate them. It's very important to listen to what the Prime Minister's got to say. Have you finished, Prime Minister? Are you OK? Yeah. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, let me be clear. I totally condemn all racism, including that directed at the Home Secretary. But she's got this wrong. The whole country knows it. His own MPs know it. In the last few days, everybody has seen England's black players have been the targets of disgusting racist abuse following Sunday's match. Disgusting. And this is really simple, Mr Speaker. Either the Prime Minister is with the England players in their stand against racism, or he can defend his own record, those of his ministers and some of his MPs. But he can't have it both ways. So can he tell the House, does he now regret failing to condemn those who booed England players for standing up to racism, yes or no? 
Mr Speaker, we made it absolutely clear that no one should boo the England team. And, uh, abs- and Mr Speaker, uh, what we're doing now is taking, following, the, following the racist abuse that our players sadly suffered on Sunday night and, and thereafter, we're taking practical action. So in addition to changing the football uh, banning order regime, uh, last night I met representatives of Facebook, of Twitter, of TikTok, of Snapchat, uh, of Instagram, and I made it absolutely uh, clear to them that we will legislate to address this problem, Mr Speaker, in the online harms bill, and unless they get, unless they get hate and racism off their platforms, they will face fines amounting to 10% of their global revenues, and we all know, Mr Speaker, that they have the technology to do it. Mr Speaker, the online harms bill has been promised for three years. I'm not sure a 15-minute chat at a garden party moves things forward that significantly. But I want to take the Prime Minister up on what he said about being absolutely clear, because here I have the headline, Mr Speaker. Boris Johnson refuses to condemn fans booing England taking the knee. That's the story. That's the headline, June the 6th. Boris Johnson refuses to condemn fans booing England taking the knee. That's absolutely clear. It's not quite what the Prime Minister is implying today. It quotes, it goes on to quote the Prime Minister's spokesperson, saying that the Prime Minister fully respects the rights of those who choose to make their feelings known. This is about booing. Fully respects their rights. And the Home Secretary said that booing was a choice for them, quite frankly. So no condemnation there, no absolute clarity there, Mr Speaker. When senior government ministers and Conservative MPs defend the booing of an anti-racist message, who do they think they're defending, Prime Minister, and why are they defending it? Mr Speaker, nobody defends booing of the England side. Nobody defends booing of the England side. And if he, if he attacks, if he continues to attack the Home Secretary... Prime Minister, just... I want to hear the Prime Minister. I want to know the answer, and I expect the opposition to listen to the answer. Prime Minister. Well, well thank, you. thank you, Mr Speaker. We, we love and admire the England side and what they did. They represent the best of our country. Nobody, do, nobody defends booing uh, the England side, Mr Speaker, but what the Home Secretary has been trying to do all her life is not just to fight racism, but to take practical, to take practical steps to advance the cause of black and minority ethnic groups, which she has done successfully, notably in the, in the police. And, and since, Mr Speaker, he's, he's chucking this kind of thing around, could I ask him now to retract uh, this, this leaflet produced by the Labour Party during the Batley and Spen uh, by-election, which was condemned by his own MPs as dog-whistle racism, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister isn't, isn't kidding anyone in this House. He's not kidding the public, and he's not even kidding his own MPs. Let me quote, let me quote the Conservative MP for Plymouth Moore View. Conservative MP, the painful truth, says the Conservative MP for Plymouth Moore View, is that Tyrone Mings is completely right. I am very uncomfortable, he says, with the position we Conservatives are needlessly forcing ourselves into. So, Prime Minister, behind you, they don't believe you, and neither do we. Mr Speaker, I will... Mr Speaker, we can all see what's happened here. The government has been trying to stoke a culture war, and they've realised they're on the wrong side. And now they hope that nobody's noticed. Why else would a Conservative MP boast that he's not watching his own team? 
Why else would another Conservative MP say that Marcus Rashford spends too much time playing politics when he's actually trying to feed children that the government won't? And why will the Prime Minister refuse time and time again, even now, to condemn those who boo our players for standing up against racism? Mr Speaker, what is it that this England team symbolises that this Conservative Party is so afraid of? Well, Mr Speaker, I think think the House will judge for themselves uh, the the quality of the question that the uh, the, the right honourable gentleman has has just put. I think the whole House is united, uh, including our distinguished members uh, from Scotland, uh, by the way, Mr Speaker, in admiration of the England team and of of every single member of that squad and and what they did. And we stick up for them, Mr Speaker. And what we're doing is taking practical steps to fight racism, uh, uh, changing the football banning order regime, uh, fining the online companies. And, by the way, we will use more legislation if we have to, just as we use the threat of legislation, Mr Speaker, to stop the European Super League. And we will get on. We will get on with delivering for the people of this country. We will get on with vaccinating the people of this country while they continue to, to, to vacillate. Uh, we will continue to immunise the people of this country while they improvise and dart around. And, Mr. Speaker, I don't want to, I don't want to engage in a, a, a political a culture war of any kind. I want to get on with delivering for the people of this country. He simply wants to get on with dithering. He doesn't want to engage in a culture war and point scoring. Give me a break. Football, football's, football's, football's a game. Racism isn't promised. That's why many of us have been involved in the charity Show Racism the Red Card for years. But far from giving racism the red card, the Prime Minister gave it the green light. And I'll tell you the worst kind of gesture politics, Mr Speaker. Putting an England shirt on over a shirt and tie whilst not condemning those booing is the worst kind of gesture. Mr Speaker, I want to ask the Prime Minister finally about the reported amnesty for crimes committed during the Troubles in Northern Ireland. I worked in Northern Ireland for six years with the policing board and the police. I have also prosecuted terrorists as the Director of Public Prosecutions, so I know how difficult and how sensitive this is. But a blanket amnesty, including for terrorists, is plain wrong. I was in Northern Ireland last week, and it is absolutely clear that the government's amnesty is not supported by the political parties in Northern Ireland, and it is not supported by victims' groups. Last Thursday, I spoke to victims of terrorism at the Wave Trauma Centre in North Belfast. Mr Speaker, they haven't even been properly consulted on this proposal. If things are to move forward in Northern Ireland, any discussion has to start with the victims. Politicians in London can't simply draw a line under terrorism and other crimes and then force it on those most affected. The Prime Minister looks up, so let him look up and let him hear. Because I want to quote Julie Hamilton, Mr. Uh, Prime Minister. Her sister Maxine was among the 21 people killed by the IRA in the Birmingham pub bombings. So that's Julie Hamilton, Prime Minister. She says, tell me, Prime Minister, if one of your loved ones was blown up beyond recognition, where you were only able to identify your son or daughter by their fingernails, would you be so quick to grant their murderers an amnesty 
and propose such obscene legislation. What does the Prime Minister have to say to Julie, and she's listening, and other victims like her? Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I think that the uh, whole House will acknowledge the suffering of victims like Julie and their, and their families. And, uh, of course, nothing I say or, uh, or can do now can in any way mitigate her, her loss, and, and that, is, uh, that is clear. Uh, but it is also true that the people of Northern Ireland uh, must, if we possibly can allow them to, they must move forwards now. And uh, he, he will know uh, that the proposals that are being brought forward and the House will hear about them in more detail later on from my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. The proposals that are being brought forward are, are measured, they are balanced and they have a wide degree of support, I may say, uh, from former Labour Prime Ministers and former Labour leaders who I think are of considerable more, dis more distinction, uh, I may say, than the, than the right honourable gentleman opposite. And uh, he will recall that it was under uh, that Labour administration that many uh, terrorists uh, were unfortunately uh, given effectively an amnesty, and th they were allowed to escape the full consequences of their crimes, as he knows very well. And that, was, that is the reality. Whilst the sad fact remains that, and this, this is of course uh, no consolation to uh, people like Julie, but the sad fact remains that there are many members of the armed services who continue to face the threat of vexatious uh, prosecutions uh, well into their uh, 70s and 80s and later. And we are finally, Mr Speaker, bringing forward a solution to this problem, to enable the province of Northern Ireland to draw a line under the Troubles, to enable the people of Northern Ireland to move forward. And I think someone with greater statesmanship and clarity of vision would have seen that, uh, Mr Speaker, and given these proposals a fair wind. Yeah. Bell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, the scandalous situation at Wally's Quarry Landfill yeah, yeah, in my yeah. constituency with the noxious gas emissions is, I'm afraid, continuing. Uh, to date, there's been no apology from the operator Red Industries and no credible explanation for the odour that is blighting the lives and the health yeah, 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 yeah. of so many of my residents. So what assurances can the Prime Minister give me today that every effort will be made to speed up the works that have been mandated by the Environment Agency, that we will get a deadline as to when we can expect this awful situation to be resolved, and that those responsible are held fully to account? Mr Speaker, I yield to no one in my admiration for the Environment Agency, uh, but in this case, uh, Mr. Speaker, I thank my honourable friend because they are not, in my view, uh, sorting this problem out uh, fast enough. I am fed up uh, with this being uh, raised with me. We, we must stop the stink, and I want the air around Wally's Quarry to be of alpine freshness uh, before too long. Ian Blackford, the SNP leader. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Let me begin by congratulating the England team for reaching the final, an incredible achievement. But the tragedy of the tournament was the undercurrent of racism that was ultimately targeted at three young men, Rashford, Sancho and Saka. Mr Speaker, wherever there is racism, it falls on all of us to face it down and to call it out. And it is shameful that it took until last night for the Prime Minister to meet with the main social media companies and finally wake up to the fact that those who publish and promote vile racist online abuse need to be faced down and sanctioned. So can the Prime Minister tell us what sanctions he thinks would be appropriate for someone who publishes racist content? And it is shocking even to have to say this out loud. 
describing Africans as flag-waving pickaninnies with watermelon smiles. Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I've, I've commented uh, many times about the uh, words that I've said in the past, and, and, and I think the House uh, understands how. I think the House understands how you can you can uh, you can take things out of context, Mr. Speaker. What, what I what I, I think people I think people do understand that. But what they also understand is that there is a uh, a chance now uh, to hold these internet companies uh, to account and uh, to make sure uh, that they face fines running to 10% of their global income uh, if they fail to take hate and racism off their platforms. And I hope, actually, that the Scottish National, uh, Nationalist Party uh, will support it. Ian Blackford. You know, still no contrition, still no apology. And, Mr Speaker, the truth is that the Tory party doesn't sanction those who publish that kind of racist content. They promote them to be Prime Minister. The legacy of this Prime Minister's dog whistling has followed him into 10 Downing Street and it is now at the heart of this Tory government. As the England International Tyrone Mings has so powerfully stated, this government doesn't get to stoke the fires of racism and pretend to be disgusted when it happens. They don't get to condemn the racism of others but deny that the racism that they have even provoked. In March, this UK government's own report on racism, the Sewell report, said that there was no systemic problem in the UK. I think the England men's football team would beg to differ. After the shocking racism on show over the last week, does the Prime Minister still stand by his government's belief that systemic racism is not a problem that exists in the United Kingdom? Mr Speaker, I, I do think that racism is a problem in the United Kingdom, and I believe it needs to be tackled and it needs to be stamped out with some of the means that I've described this morning. But when he attacks uh, our party, my party, Mr Speaker, I'm afraid he's got the, the wrong target. This is, the, this is a party that has not only had the first ever Muslim uh, Secretary of State for Health, now he was former Chancellor, of course, uh, but has had two female Prime Ministers, the most diverse cabinet in the history of this country, the most diverse government in the history of this, of this country. Mr. We are the party. If you are a young person growing up in a black or ethnic minority group in this country, we are the party that represent hope and opportunity. That is the reality about the Conservative Party today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The UK is packed full of incredible innovation-led businesses capable of leading entire industries, not least in Hartford and Stortford, where we are at the heart of the innovation corridor. I know this government wants to ensure the best possible access to venture funding over multiple rounds to catapult scale-up businesses full of potential into world-beating companies. Would the Prime Minister meet with me to discuss how we can best make venture work for the scale-up community and transform best, some of our best ideas into some of the world's biggest businesses. I, I thank the honourable lady, and she knows a, a lot about what she's uh, the subject that she, she mentions. This is a, a fantastic opportunity for this country because we do indeed produce a great many tech 
breakthroughs and we're looking very much at how to uh, make sure that we scale up uh, fast. But don't let her forget that, at, as I speak, there are three countries in the world, uh, Mr Speaker, that have scaled up tech breakthroughs to unicorns worth more than a billion, a hundred unicorns worth more than a billion pounds. Only three countries have a hundred unicorns. They are the United States of America, China and the United Kingdom. For over seven years, Plaid Cymru has been calling for the gargantuan HS2 railway to be treated as an England-only project so that Wales gets our fair share. Not a single inch of track will be in Wales, but we're footing the bill. Today, the Welsh Affairs Committee backed our call, calling the UK Government's categorisation of HS2 in relation to Wales as unfair and biased. Will the Prime Minister today right this wrong Respect the Welsh Affairs Select Committee and assure that Wales, like Scotland, receives our fair share from HS2. I normally have a great deal of uh, respect and interest in what the Honourable Lady uh, says, but actually in this case she's, she's missed what the government is doing uh, for transport connectivity in, uh, in Wales and to Wales, something about which I know that she's as passionate as I am. Look at what we're uh, doing in the Union Connectivity Review with the, the A55, uh, with the North Wales uh, Railway Corridor into, uh, into, into to, to Liverpool, and uh, look at what we're look at the, um, the M4, Mr Speaker. Never let it be forgotten uh, that it was the Welsh uh, Labour government, not her fault, of course, because she's, she's plied, uh, but it was the Welsh Labour government, uh, Mr Speaker, that spent £144 million on a study uh, on a study and then didn't even do the diversion. Let's go to Dr Matthew Offord. Matthew. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The circumstances of Jewish burials around the world is a sensitive and important issue to my constituents and as such to me. In January 1942, the Nazis built two concentration camps on British soil on the island of Alderney. Conditions were appalling with multiple deaths. However, there are just 397 recorded graves in Alderney, just 6.6% of a total population of 6,000 internees. In 1961, a British delegation undertook an inquiry into these atrocities that occurred on Alderney. Today, I asked the Prime Minister to authorise the release of all documents and information residing in the archives into those investigations so we know what happened to thousands of people on the island of Albany during World War II. To quote Ellie Weisel, to forget the dead will be akin to killing them again. Minister. My honourable friend makes a, an excellent point about the victims on Alderney. We, we must never forget the suffering of those uh, who, on the Channel Islands who, who suffered under the occupation between 1940 and 1945. I'm told that the documents in question have been transferred to the National Archives, Mr Speaker, but I will make sure that the relevant minister meets uh, my honourable friend to discuss the matter further. Mr Speaker, there are currently 800,000 students self-isolating and even after the reforms to the bubbling system, the government's failure to get the Delta variant under control means that infections raising over the summer will mean that uh, the autumn term will be very severely affected in our schools. If the JCVI says that it is safe and appropriate for adolescents to receive the vaccine, will the Prime Minister promise that every single adolescent will be offered the vaccine over the summer and parents given all the information they need to make an informed decision so that schools can return and not continue to be affected by the bad policy making of this government and the failure to get the Delta variant under control. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, the 
uh, right, the honourable gentleman seems to, uh, to want us to, to relax our, our rules on uh, protecting people from coronavirus. I don't think that's the right thing uh, to do at this time on self-isolation. And uh, he, he also calls for uh, us to go against the, uh, the, the, the JCVI. Uh, in, uh, and that, that is a matter, Mr Speaker, for the JCVI. Stephen Crabb. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. With the economy rebounding and a great many job vacancies currently available, does my right honourable friend agree that there's a tremendous opportunity emerging now to build a stronger British labour market post-Brexit and post-Covid and that we need to help employers create jobs with better pay, more security, more opportunity for skills and career progression? Isn't that one of the keys for levelling up and ending the blight of in-work poverty? Uh, yes, Mr. Speaker, I thank my right honourable friend, and I know how much he cares about them, and that's one of the reasons why we're not only rolling out our massive plan for, for jobs, but why I'm proud that uh, under this government we've increased the uh, national living wage uh, to, uh, by a record amount to £8.91 per hour. Let's go to Peter Grant. Peter. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The communities of Leslie, Markinch, Pichuca, Thornton, Woodside and East Reams in my constituency are all either losing or have already lost their post offices since 2019. In addition, constituents in Colton, Bulgoni, Windigates, Cadham, Methyl, Buckhaven and Methyl Hill have all had the disruption of temporary closures or relocations and the post office at Glenwood is currently closed until further notice. Given that the post office is 100% owned by his government, what exactly does it take for him to admit that the current trading model for the post office is not working for the people that rely on its services? Um, Mr Speaker, the, uh, the treatment of the post office, uh, the masters, the sub-post masters uh, in, the, in the, uh, the recent uh, computer uh, malfunction was, I'm afraid, appalling, and I've made that, I've made that clear. When it comes to uh, protecting and, and supporting uh, post offices, particularly rural post offices, but I think is what he was, uh, he was driving at. Uh, this government will do everything it can to protect them. Let's go to Angela Richardson. Angela. Mr Speaker, too noisy, too much air pollution and too much time wasted sitting in traffic impacting productivity. The A3 as it narrows through Guildford has been the cause of frustration for decades. According to Highways England, there are no more sticking plasters, which is why I'm calling for the A3 to be tunnelled under Guildford. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that as we build back better after the pandemic, investment into major road infrastructure solutions will be an important part of delivering on the levelling up agenda right across the whole country? Minister. I, I thank my and I know the stretch of road that she refers to very well, as I'm sure many members across this House do as well. I would love to be able to clip my fingers and say that we could tunnel under, uh, under Guildford. Uh, all I can say is, Mr Speaker, in all candor, we will certainly look at it. Uh, but honourable uh, members should be in no doubt that we're spending a record sums, uh, £27 billion on improving England's strategic roads, part of a £640 billion best, biggest, uh, best ever package of infrastructure investment in this country. Let's go to Howell Williams. Howell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Many people are aghast at the potential consequences of thrashing English Covid regulations in a triumphalist prime ministerial crash attack. Wales's regulations to be announced today are expected to take a cautious and measured approach. 
Will the Prime Minister make it clear that those visiting Wales this summer must stick to Welsh laws and that on Covid regulations he can only speak for England? Prime Minister. Yes, of course, Mr Speaker. And uh, I think that uh, people should uh, stick to the, uh, the, the rules and the guidance wherever they are. And I think he's absolutely right uh, to talk about a cautious and uh, a measured approach. John Penrose. Uh, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister will have seen that two recently published Government Commission reports, Mine into Competition Policy and the Task Force on Innovation, Growth and Regulatory Reform, both make the same two recommendations to inject fresh energy into our better regulation regime so we can deliver our Brexit ambition of replacing ponderous EU regulations with simpler digital and less burdensome UK equivalents without reducing quality standards in the process. So, will he take this opportunity to unleash a big post-Brexit better regulation dividend by declaring his enthusiastic support for a strong new one-in-two-out regime with no loopholes or exceptions right here today? Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, and I, I think it is obvious that the, the UK has a, a massive amount to gain, uh, not just from his uh, report, which I, I much enjoyed, as I, as I told him I thought was excellent, but also from the Tigger uh, report, the Task Force on, uh, on Reducing Regulation, and I thank them for that, and they'll be seeing, you know, he uh, and they will be seeing a lot more in the next few weeks. Let's go to John Nicholson. John. Thank you, Mr Speaker, sir. Yesterday, at the Prime Minister's instigation, 333 Conservative members of this House, including some of its wealthiest, voted to deprive some of the world's poorest children of clean water. Education for girls programmes we guarantee will be slashed. Polio eradication schemes too. Most people go into politics to make the world a better place, but the Prime Minister seems to be an exception. As he reads of the anguish his decision has caused, and as the father of a young child, doesn't he feel the merest hint of shame? Mr Speaker, I think the people of this entire country should be immensely proud of what the UK is doing abroad, uh, whether it is educating uh, millions of girls uh, with an increase to support for female education, whether it is helping the, country, uh, the countries around the world to tackle climate change with £11.6 billion pounds, uh, of investment, or, or helping uh, refugees uh, in Yemen uh, or Syria or Ethiopia with £900 million. Pounds. We're spending £10 billion pounds a year uh, on overseas sees aid alone, Mr Speaker, to say nothing of what we're doing uh, with vaccines. The whole country should be immensely proud of what the UK is doing in spite of this pandemic. Let's go to Faye Jones. Faye. Thank you. Mr Speaker, I'm sure you will know the Green Man Festival, which is an incredibly popular international music event, which takes place in Crickhowell in my constituency. The festival organisers have gone to great lengths to ensure the event is COVID secure, but the Welsh Government refuses to give them the green light to go ahead as a test event, unlike similar events in England. So will my right honourable friend help us by giving the Green Man Festival his full support and encourage the Welsh Government to get behind the festival at long last? Prime Minister. Uh well, Mr. Speaker, I, I haven't been invited to attend the Green Man Festival, but it sounds it sounds it sounds great. Uh, she's obviously my my honourable friend's obviously a, my friend's obviously a big fan. Um, uh, I will do what I can to to pass her message along. I, I thank her for uh, campaigning for for Wales and for the Green Man Festival. Mr. Speaker, my constituent Jackie Davis was diagnosed with a type of blood cancer in April, which prevents her immune system from developing antibodies against COVID. 
Jackie wants to live as normal a life as possible and to do everyday things like going shopping, but she's terrified and she thinks that the rapid lifting of restrictions on Monday is putting her at risk. With the Delta variant about to spike due to the government's decision to lift restrictions, particularly the requirement to wear masks in public places, what's his message to people in Jackie's situation? Will he rethink his reckless gamble of lifting all these restrictions on Monday? And yes, Jackie did support staying in the EU. Uh, well, my, my message to, to I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, obviously, for the condition that, uh, that Jackie suffers. And uh, I think that uh, the, the Labour Party uh, obviously needs to, to work out whether it's in favour of going ahead uh, with step four or not, because it's not, it's not at all clear uh, from what he has said uh, or what uh, the right honourable gentleman, the leader of the opposition, has said. They don't, they don't have a clue, uh, Mr Speaker. But what I can say to him is that we expect and recommend, we expect and recommend everybody, and I say this to Jackie, we expect and recommend everybody uh, to wear a face covering uh, in a confined space where you're meeting people you don't normally meet, and uh, that, is, that is quite right. Final question, Nikki. Thank yeah, you, yeah, Mr yeah. Speaker. Last week I met with the reading agency that is about to launch its annual summer reading challenge and hopes to reach a million children, primary school children, this year. What a great excuse to go to one of our brilliant libraries and take part in the COVID education catch-up. With this in mind, would my right honourable friend join me in encouraging every child across the nation to take part in the summer reading challenge, pick up a book and read back better? Yes. I I, I thank my honourable... She's quite right, and there, there couldn't be a better campaign uh, for the summer, we, we put uh, 1.9 uh, million of support into, into the, the reading scheme that she mentions. But of course, there's 200 million uh, going into the Holidays uh, Activities Fund, and uh, there couldn't be a, a better, more useful, happier way of occupying your time on holiday than by reading a good book, Mr. Speaker. Can, can I just gently say to all leaders that, in the end, I've had to cut off quite a few backbenchers because of the amount of time that's been taken up at the beginning. Can we think about those as well? It's so important that they get their questions heard. 